Good morning and welcome to episode 21 of Beekeeping at Five Apple Farm. This is Tuesday, June 4th. I've gotten a little bit off my weekend recording schedule because I worked this past weekend and the weekend before I had a ton of company, but I hope to get back on it. Uh, next Saturday, I like to do my Saturday morning talks with you and then go out and play with the bees if I'm lucky. So today on the podcast, I thought I would tell you some things going on in my bee yard lately and then talk about summer splits. As much as I talk about splits, you would think this was just the bee split show, (laughs) but it is such a handy technique for so many things, not just making more hives, that I want to tell you about summer splits for mite control. Let me pause here and say that if you are finding these podcasts helpful, I would so appreciate um, you leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, or if you're a Facebook person, uh, going to the Facebook page, Five Apple Farm, Bees, Honey, and More, and leaving a recommendation. Um, Both those things help other people find the podcast, so thank you in advance for that if you're finding anything helpful. And if you're not, uh, please write me a a nice uh, message and tell me (laughs) what you would find helpful, and I will do my best. All right, what's going on in my yard lately? Or I could call this section Mistakes I've Made of Late. Not really, but it's really beekeeping is such a learning process um, even at nine years in nine ten years in whatever I am um, every day I learn something and that's what the 90 year old beekeeper had been doing it for 60 years in our club said he learned something every season so I'm not expecting that to change so I have a hive that I'm in love with it's not the hive by the way that I was in love with earlier Um, On closer examination, I don't think that hive, which is somebody else's bees, um, I don't think they, I'm not sure they have the disease resistance that some, that my hives have after being selected uh, for all these years for disease resistance. So while I definitely want to incorporate some of their genetics, I'm not as, um, I'm not as keen to make a bunch of those queens as I was, even though if I made uh, queens from that uh, queen, and they made it here at the farm, then they would already be the F1 daughters of that queen and crossed with my bees, uh, we might be in business. But since I probably can only do one round, I think, of, or maybe two, of cloakboard rearing, which in, I covered in earlier episodes, um, I have this hive uh, from my yard that has proven themselves to be just phenomenal. So I decided I was going to go in and set up kind of the pre-setup for the cloak board, and I could not find the queen to save my life. I could it was it's, the hive has gotten just huge, and even though I've not been concentrating on honey at all this year, that hive is just full of honey. It's many many boxes tall. Um, So what I did is a a technique that someone taught me if you're desperate to find the queen, which I have to uh, locate her to get her situated to do the cloak board. um, Basically, I took two queen excluders and I kind of divided up the hive in the stack in about three different uh, sections. And so there's like two boxes, queen excluder, two boxes, queen excluder, two boxes, queen excluder. And in each of those sections, right in the middle... I inserted a frame of nice dark comb so that I can spot the eggs really easy right in the middle of each one. 
and what that will allow me to do, I have the day marked on the calendar, is to um, go back in about, I think I put it down as like four or five days, and she will have definitely laid in one of those uh, new brand new combs because I put them right in the middle so they're not likely to put a ton of honey in it um, and they're dark so I can spot them so anyway hopefully I can narrow it down at that point to two boxes and even if I cannot locate her if I can just get it you know know which two boxes she's definitely in I can put those on the bottom of the cloakboard stack like we talked about so if you're desperate to find your queen a queen excluder can be your friend. Now be aware that wherever you put a, a queen excluder, your drones can't get out of there. So um, if you ever make the mistake in it, oh, it's just a horrible one to make, and I've made it, of um, putting on a queen excluder without an upper entrance, um, then your drones get stuck in the queen excluder. It's very sad because they get stuck and they die, and um, I didn't like that at all. So I've, I make sure to have an entrance uh, on every section that has a queen excluder so the drones can get out. The other thing that I've been doing in my yard, I've had a hive that has been of, of concern to me. Actually, there's two of them. And um, I am not liking the way the brood is looking on one of the uh, brood inspections. They've got kind of a shotgun pattern. And it kind of looks just some unhealthy, what to my eye look like, kind of slightly yellowish uh, brood not a lot um, but I want to rule out European fowl brood I've already ruled out American fowl brood um, because they don't look that bad and also I did the little um, stick uh, meaning a, a match stick rope test and all of that there's no sign of that but I ordered a European fowl brood test kit I believe I got it from uh, I think I got it from man like it's on the way but I, I want to test um, this and make sure I'm not dealing with it. A member in our club had trouble with this last year and actually had to get an antibiotic script uh, from her vet for it. But it worked great to clear hers up. Now I'm going to try to avoid that. And so what I did with the first hive that I spotted this in um, a, a while back and they, they have not improved. A lot of times if you get a flow, if it isn't European fowl brood, many times a flow will uh, let them outrun it. But um, they didn't look so good. So what I did is essentially kind of a shook swarm adjusted. But this is a technique that I first heard of on Stuart Spink's Beekeeping Short and Sweet. That's a show out of the UK which I really enjoy. It's a podcast, Stuart Spink's Beekeeping Short and Sweet. And um, they, he was actually talking about it, let's see, I forget what which bee disease he was talking about it with, but it's a way, with European fowl brood, um, and, a, and a lot of the brood diseases that are contained in the comb, that are on the comb, uh, you can actually shake all the bees off the problem comb and put them on fresh comb or foundation, depending on the season, and sometimes it will clear it. Um, and once I was sure that it was not American fowl brood, and I want you to be very careful with this if you're, particularly if you're in the southeast, because I have seen some references online that I believe a confirmed American fowl brood uh, was in, in infest, infection, <laughs> sorry, uh, was in Tennessee, which is awfully close to um, where I am. 
So you want to do the learn, it's called roping, R-O-P-I-N-G, and um, to test if you have a really, like a dead brood in there and it looks gross, you can take a matchstick, or I usually use just a little twig out of the yard, and the, the, the little larva is dead, so you kind of stab around in there, swish it around, and then very slowly pull the stick back. And if it ropes out, if a little, I hate to say this, but kind of looks like, you know, like a, thick snot comes out with the uh, creates a little rope between the dead larva and the twig um, of about I, I've heard about an inch or so then that would be American foul brood and you would want to call your inspector and really figure out what's going on because that's that's unfortunately the, the big bad news if it doesn't rope but it does still look bad um, there's you know many things it could be it could be parasitic parasitic uh, mite syndrome which this did not really look like um, to my eye. It was a very small hive, so I didn't, I, I wasn't even, I did not do a mite uh, count. I didn't see any deformed wing virus, but I didn't do a mite count because I was about to do what I did, which was shake all the bees off the comb. It was a very small hive, so this wasn't too bad of a loss of comb. Um, shook them all off onto fresh comb from my stash so all the brood that they had, uh, especially all the cat brood, came out of that hive. Um, I put the put those all those frames in garbage bags and put them in the deep freeze. And they are basically in quarantine until I find out. Make sure this was not European fowl brood. If it's not European fowl brood, I might go through there and see if there's any good-looking comb and. Uh, and decide whether to use it again. If it is, then I will dis I will trash in those trash bags without ever opening it all that um, comb because it it does is carried in the comb and I just want to even though it's a loss I want to make sure that I'm not putting European foul brood infected comb back into any hive. So I shook them all off onto fresh comb. Um, I discontinued the queen, uh, and so I I culled the queen. And then what I did was I put did a newspaper combine with one of the several nukes that I have sitting around just for this purpose with the brand new queen healthy brood nest. So I did a newspaper combination on them. Um, I waited uh, several days, went in. They had opened up the newspaper, so they were beginning to combine. So I helped them out just by removing all the newspaper bits that were still left. And then I went in about another week later looked at all the new brood nest and so far knock on wood the new brood nest looks beautiful so I'm still there still got the big the big quarantine spot on my inspection sheet because I still have my eye on them um, and then I'm gonna I don't know if there'll be anything in there or not to test when I get the European foul brood test but the second hive that in this particular yard that had this issue um, I have not shaken them off and requeen them yet so I will you know probably have some gross looking brood to try this out on um, and so anyway uh, shaking all the bees off the comb into onto fresh comb if it's a comb based brood disease sometimes can give them a leg up and uh, help them get over whatever was going on and finally in the things I've done wrong lately <laughs> section um, 
I should say, I'm trying to be encouraging to tell you all these things I've done wrong. And at the same time, right now, I've got probably, I don't know, 16 good-looking hives uh, going. So you really can make a lot of errors and still have uh, good bees, mostly. Um, but the mistake, a mistake I made recently was I missed catching a drone layer queen. This was a little hive that I let requeen. It was the the portion of a split. I let them requeen themselves. I went back in to check for eggs when about about when the new queen should have laid. Sure enough, she was laying the you know lots of eggs. I was like, yay, new queen. Closed them up, and then I missed them on my inspection sheet because my second inspection of a new queen is to go back when there's a good amount of capped brood, and make sure she's not a drone layer. Um, I am still working on having enough drones in my area to get consistent good queen mating. Um, so I missed that check and to make up for this I've gone back on my spreadsheet and added a really clear column that says last inspection so that I won't do this again. Uh, but so I went in there expecting to see this beautiful little young hive and what did I see? but this popcorn drone layer stuff. And I think this was probably just karma because I was getting on to people about making sure you don't do this last week. <laughs> and so what did I find this week? But um, a drone layer. And it's pretty easy to spot because where you should see this nice, beautiful, smooth frame of worker comb, instead it looks like popcorns, all I keep thinking of. But there's just the, there's drone cells that have been built onto worker cells so they poke up they look like you took a vitamin capsule and stuck it in a honey cell in, you know in about 20 different places and what that means is that that queen was not well mated and so she's not you know laying all a uh, worker brood like she should in worker brood comb now your hope you know every queen's going to lay some drones but they should be in in drone cells and the drone cells are usually around the edges or wherever they can fit them in if you're using natural comb there can be whole well gosh there can be whole combs of um, drone comb which is a whole problem I'm running into that I've got to figure out with um, natural comb I'm not so sure yeah, well anyway I'll get into that later but um so I saw the dreaded popcorn pattern of a drone layer and I had to call her and I requeened that that little um, I would say it was kind of a double nuke size with a small nuke of a proven queen that had been well mated so again just make sure you don't go too long without inspecting your brood nest of course in swarm season you know people go down in their brood nest often to make sure there's uh, no swarm cells getting beyond their uh, beyond the Point where you can fix things with a swarm cell um, but be sure when you go in and beginners start getting in the habit a lot of times we're like okay I'm gonna go in and look for swarm cells or okay I'm gonna go in and check this Queen's laying pattern and we're looking for that one thing and we don't take in the whole picture and I mean I can still be guilty of this and usually what makes me guilty of it is to be so focused on looking for one particular thing that I miss what's right there in front of my eyes so I really try uh, when I'm on top of my game that when I do an inspection of a hive for whatever reason then every single piece that I remove like when I take off 
the top cover and the inner cover. I'm looking at the bees on the top bars. I'm watching them uh, move around. I kind of see how peppy they are, how many they are. When I look at frames, I scan everybody's wings to make sure I'm not seeing any deformed wing virus. And I mean any. If I see literally a deformed wing virus, then I mark that hive as, um, you know, as not, not being ideal for what I'm trying to do. Um, so that's just an encouragement. When you go in to look for A, also keep your eyes open and just move slowly and look at everything you're seeing. Now you might not take every frame out and look at every single frame, but every frame that you do take out, look at the bees, look at what's going on in that frame, tilt your boxes back, look under there, check out the population, um, check how good looking everybody is, and if you make that a habit you will spot things. Um, and then also <laughs> make a habit of writing down on your sheet when the last time you inspected the hive was because time can slip by and things can be going on in there if you're not inspecting in the uh, brood nest in particular. So now I want to talk to you about summer splits for mite control. I want to thank Palmer of North Carolina who has been just one of the most supportive listeners has written and given very kind and generous feedback and also gifted me with the most gorgeous swarm box I have ever seen. I had noted Palmer's pictures on Facebook with this absolutely wonderful swarm box design and so now I have one for Five Apple Farm of my very own. I absolutely love it. I cannot see, wait to see what I can catch with it. So thank you Palmer both for that and for uh, writing and talking about how you were getting ready to look at summer splitting and summer mite control. This is really smart because what is happening now um, are the the populations, if you're in the mid-Atlantic region at least, the populations of your hives are, are pretty much peaking. They're getting the highest. In fact, very shortly, oh, sadly shortly, uh, with the solstice, the summer solstice in late June, the population will actually kind of level out and start to go down and that's where the mite population versus the bee population can completely overwhelm your hive very quickly. But that's that's like when the hive crashes but right now is uh, when the populations are highest, the mite populations are building. It makes a great window to do summer splits for two reasons. One's for mite control um, but the second is to get queens that are young summer queens and that's another great thing you can do for your apiary is to have a summer queen going into the winter. Uh, it's so strange to be talking about winter here when we're not even to the summer solstice but that's how you have to think in my opinion if you're in, in beekeeping. So this is really a, a golden window to make splits. We're in full summer so there's loads of drones flying around out there. Um, the nights are not getting so cold that you're going to have to worry about anybody getting cold at night. Um, there's lots of bees to raise a queen for you. So if you're just thinking about learning to make splits to raise your own queens, then this is a great time to try. One good thing is you you if you keep your old queen sitting around somewhere, then if your if your new queen doesn't work out or something goes wrong, then no problem. You can recombine those hives. 
but I've talked before on an earlier episode about my favorite cut down split. And if you thought about it then and didn't, if you want to email me at blueridge714 at gmail.com, I'm happy to send you the diagram of a cut down split. Um, but I will tell you, one of the things about a cut down split that I think has held a lot of people up was the only method that I knew you had to locate the queen. And as you know, and as I talked earlier, this time of year and actually all the way through, it can be very difficult to locate a queen. Well, I found an article in, I believe it's American Bee Journal, and I'm going to read you a couple paragraphs out of it, where there's a way to essentially do a cut-down split. It's the same mechanics of a cut-down split, but you don't have to find the queen. So this, to me, is the holy grail. I'm going to call it the cut-down shake version, <laughs> because you shake the bees in a way so that you don't have to find the, the queen. So the dynamics of a cut-down go something like this. Um, on the original old hive site, you're going to end up with all your capped brood, one egg frame, that's going to be what the new queen is made off of, and all your foragers. Why do you have all your foragers? Because they are loyal to that hive spot. On the new hive spot, which can be in the same apiary, if you are careful, um, on the new hive spot, you're going to have your original queen, the, I'll call her the old queen, but she may not be old, but she's just the original queen that we're, we're starting with. And you're going to have all the open brood. You're also going to end up with all the nurse bees. Those nurse bees will be able to care for all that open brood and the queen and tend to her as long as they have everything they need. By that I mean um, nectar, water and pollen because for a while when there's just nurse bees they are not able to fly and gather those things so you want to make sure they have everything. Um, nectar and pollen are pretty easy to move on the frames. If you're in an area that you're concerned about, uh, if there's not a lot of humidity and, um, they, and you're feeling like they might need some water, which by the way is just always a good idea, um, you can actually use a Boardman feeder. Those are the kind that stick on the front of the feeder that are actually pretty dangerous to use for sugar water because they attract robbers, but they're great to be a bee waterer. And so just fill that with fresh water and stick it on the front of your of this of the new little hive, and they're they're set up to have water until they uh, graduate enough nurse bees into flying bees. So, why is this split so effective for mite control? Well, one of the reasons is right now most of the mites are going to be under the cappings in the capped brood, and unfortunately, those mites under there are also breeding. So you know, whatever mites in there, they're going to come out with more than went in there. But those capped brood frames are kind of your, your danger comb. And on top of the danger of just the population of mites, they're also the most difficult to use any type of chemical mite treatment, whether the organics or anything, there's there's not a lot of them that will work well for brood under cappings. So this is where the cut down split really excels because the part of the split that is going to be making the new queen, which means they're, they've got a long brood break. They've got to start from an egg 
and that's one of the things you make sure that they're starting from an egg because in this split if you're doing it for mite control if you come across any beautiful swarm cells you don't want them to stay with that hive now being kind of a swarm cell hoarder <laughs> you might like me move that cell and a couple of frames of bees into a little queen castle over here and let that um, swarm cell hatch out into a baby queen that you're going to use as a spare but in the hive that you are that's in the original spot that you're doing this for mite control you want them to start with an egg because only with that level of delay will you have enough time for all the brood under those cappings to hatch out so now any mites that you have they're out um, that's not always a good thing because that can, if you've got a disease in your yard and if you've got too high mite loads, then that means they're going to be damaging the bees in that hive. But hopefully if you've been on top of keeping an eye on what's going on with your mites, maybe you did a spring split already uh, on this hive, uh, maybe you've checked them with a the mite count and you feel good that they have a nice low mite count that getting all the mites onto the worker bees are, is not going to be too heavy of a load for them to handle. Let me pause here just for a second and say before you worry about that, doing nothing is going to be worse than anything you could do here. <laughs> so whatever risk involved in making a split, there's always risk. Um, that's to get the brood break, to get that setback in mite breeding, um, and to let the bees have that break from the mites building for a while. Um, I said it twice, so you know it's important. It can be worth the risk. I realized also something I forgot to say at the very beginning is the hives I'm talking about, beginners, this is not your hive that you started out on foundation this year. This is not your first year package B um, hives. This is usually an overwintered hive. They've produced honey already. This is a big full-grown hive and you're not a first season beekeeper um, on that. So I should have said that to begin with, but we're talking about folks that, that um, this is an overwintered hive and is definitely going to need uh, some attention to their, their mite loads if, they're, if you're going to get them through another winter. So as I said before, the, this, the hard thing about the cut down was finding the queen. But this woman that I'm about to read a couple of paragraphs from her article in American Bee Journal has saved the day and has shown us a method to do it without finding the queen. So this article is by Tina Sebastian. She is the, and that Sebastian spelled S-E-B-E-S-T-Y-E-N if you are searching for this article. And it is in the, I believe, the May issue of American Bee Journal. I did a screenshot on my digital subscription to American Bee Journal. And so I, right now I can't see what the issue is. But uh, she is the founder of the Four Corners Beekeeping Association and is vice president of the Colorado State Beekeepers Association. So she, it's called Foolproof Splitting. And uh, she describes a split that turns out is exactly like a cut down. She doesn't really give it a name. She calls it a split. But it is a way to do it without finding the queen. I'm going to read this. Um, this is the paragraph called Moving the Queen Without Finding Her. Set up an empty hive body across the yard from the parent colony. Open the parent colony and remove the outermost frame. This frame should be a good full honey frame. Take it to the new box and place it in the hive against the wall along with the bees that are on it. 
The second frame should contain bee bread and honey. Place it in the new hive in position two, also with all the bees that are on it. We are going to move all of the adult bees out of the parent colony and into the new one. This will be accomplished by moving frames that have eggs or open brood along with the bees that are on them and placing them in the new hive body. Frames that contain mostly capped brood will be returned to the original colony after we shake most of the bees off them into the new colony. You don't have to shake every bee off the frame that are returning to the original colony. One good shake should remove most of the bees, enough for you to be able to see if the queen is still there. So basically, we're, this is Lee, we're trying to get all the bees into that new spot. So you give that frame with capped, when you find a capped one, you give it a shake, look it over to make sure you're not putting the queen back in the original site, and, um, and again, you're moving all the capped frames over to the new one just to shake, and then you're moving that capped frame back to the original site. Okay, here she is again, T Tina Sebastian. A good once-over helps you be sure that you're not moving the queen back to the parent colony. Leaving a few nurse bees on the frame ensures that someone can feed the larva that will become the new queen. The queen and the nurse bees, who don't fly, will remain in the new colony, while the foraging bees will return to the original colony. The open brood, the open brood, goes in the new colony with the nurse bees who can feed them. The capped brood that stays in the parent colony will soon emerge, so there will be plenty of nurse bees to, fa to feed our new baby queen. Most frames include a mix of capped and open brood and eggs. Just try to get frames with mostly one stage of brood or the other in the appropriate colony. There will be a lot of bees in the air as you shake frames in the new colony and foragers return to the original colony. By the next day, the new colony will contain the queen, the nurse bees, and the open brood, and of course, their stores. The parent colony will contain a few nurse bees, captain emerging brood, and the foragers. We have helped the bees do what they want to do in a way that kept the bees enough bees with the queen to keep her and the brood warm and well fed. Remember, there will be almost no foragers to stay with the queen, so this new colony needs a good supply of honey and bee bread, while some and water, while some of the nurses need foragers, become foragers. Sorry, feeding the colony helps with this, and also helps keep too many of the nurses from becoming precocious foragers. Feeding the original colony helps ensure that the new queen is well fed as she develops. So I'm going to leave that. Please check out the May issue of American Bee Journal for that article by Tina Sebastian. Uh, I really enjoy subscribing to the digital versions of the uh, bee magazines. You get them early, and if you ha if you have an iPad, um, they're they're really nice to read on there. Um, so that was my plug for the bee journals, Bee Culture and American Bee Journal. So what Tina described is essentially a, it's a cut down split, except that you didn't have to find the queen. You've shaken all the bees into that new colony, so you know the queen is in there somewhere and then the foragers are going to fly back to the original hive. So that original hive, um, what I do is put one frame of eggs in there to make sure that they have nice eggs in fresh young comb. If that comb, if, you, if the only eggs you have for whatever reason is on dark comb, then you might try to do one of the on-the-spot 
uh, Mel Dickinson scrapes. That's where you find a patch of eggs. Uh, really, just look for eggs because they're going to be they may be hashing out soon and give you give the bees that perfect 24-hour window. And you just take your hive tool and below you pick one of the row of eggs and below it you just scrape off, scrape it so that you've knocked off the very bottom tip of, of those cells with the eggs in it. If the bees need help in making a, a queen cell which is difficult for them on old comb you've just created a space where they can take one of those eggs about once it hatches into a larva and they can drop a queen cell down on that comb. Now, in a past uh, podcast, I said that my bees had never done that. Well, they just have to prove everything I say wrong because since then I had a a little nuke that I, it's not so, let me correct that, it's not so little. It, to me, it's kind of little, but it's a full box of bees, and I wanted them to make a new queen. I'd removed the queen. I wanted them to make another one, so I took a frame, scraped and put it back in there and I marked it just so I could go back and look and see if once and for all my bees would actually use the nice space I, I gave them and for the first time ever they did they dropped two beautiful queen cells right in that space and um, they actually made a new queen and I happened to open the box on the day that the virgin I guess she had just hatched because she was walking around very close to where her cell was and she was not mated yet which you can tell by the size they're much smaller but I was so happy to see that brand new little baby queen and I wish her luck on her mating flights that are com- coming up so with if you do um, summer splits even if you don't want to make more hives because if you don't want to make more hives then just make your splits get a fresh new queen create that brood break which is going to set back your mite population and even um, if you're treating with something this will help this will make the treatment more effective now I'm not the best one to talk about treatments because I so far have not had to, to use any chemical treatments but from what I understand the best treatment window is when there's no capped brood and you're gonna have that stage in this split right now when you move that the old queen over to the new spot you've got nurse bees and you've got almost no capped brood so that you've created the window if you're using something like um, oxalic from what I understand that's your perfect window and then in your original hive spot there's gonna be a time when all that brood has hatched out um, and again you've got another window now keep in mind I don't know what the effect of and you would want to ask someone who is a pro on um, the treatments of what the effect of of having a, a queen that's going out for mating during that mite treatment so check that out with somebody uh, who knows but anyway that this is why uh, just to say once again why I'm so in love with this particular split is it does so many different things Again, if you come out with two hives and you just want one hive in that spot going into winter, you can uh, eliminate your old queen. Once you've seen that that new queen is a keeper, um, then you could eventually uh, combine these hives later in the fall. So I hope that's been helpful. I mean, I hope... I hope these podcasts are helpful to you. I love to hear when people write and say they are. It makes it totally makes my day um, because sometimes I I don't know if I'm just jumping around too much to be helpful. Again, um, I'm happy enough if I'm just your kind of ADD beekeeping friend who gets you on the phone or across a coffee table and just talks your ears off and maybe you gather something useful out of it. That's what I wish for these. So good luck with your summer splits they are very important it's a great way to practice 
making new hives, making new queens, which, as I've said many times before, I believe is the is the only way uh, to do bees without chemicals, at least in my experience and the, the people I know who are successful at it, this is the technique that makes the difference in having live bees. You get a fresh young queen that's mated. Hopefully, eventually you're moving toward a more locally adapted uh, kind of bees. If you're in an area where you can do that, this can be very handy. And then you'll have a young queen and a very low mite count be going into fall if you do this the timing is going to depend on your area and basically you want to pick that time where the population of your beehive is high but yet it hasn't started declining and that the mite population has not gotten too high yet that's that's ideal at least in my experience so have a wonderful week i will try to get back on my weekend schedule this weekend if um if I can, I'm going to talk to you about overwintering nukes because with these splits that I'm always talking about, you have the potential to make these little nukes and overwinter them as spares for any hives that you might lose and for new hives in the spring that come out booming, which you can elect to either keep or sell or give away to beekeepers who need them. And this is part of a... Um, a campaign I'm on in my own club and I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from the officers I think as a club we're gonna try to take on like a goal of as a club that everybody's gonna try to make nukes overwinter them and learn to make queens so that if over time our county could supply its own bad self with bees and we would not have to go outside the county to get bees this is my goal um, for my time with my club. So thank you as always for listening. If you like any of these podcasts, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts or put a recommendation on Facebook. The page is Five Apple Farm, Bees, Honey, and More. I'd also love to hear from you there. You can send a message there and uh, just let me know what's going on with your bee yard. Please tell me where you're writing from. I, I find that fascinating and enjoyable. So have a great week and I'll talk to you soon.